Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. So today we are in episode number two, and the title for you today is called Out of Time. Out of Time. Looking at back at my life, and perhaps, you know, your life too, maybe you're too young to look back in life right now, but I'm certainly not that young, so I can look back with some retrospective and think about when I first started out on my journey, you know, and I graduated from university or college, as we used to call it in Canada, uh, and then, you know, you have this amazing positive outlook on life. You're wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and the world is going to be great and amazing. And you're going to have this amazing job because you just went to this awesome university. And life is just going to be great because you're going to have a good job. You're going to have some great friends. Hopefully, you'll get a great wife or husband if you're that way. If you're, oh, and you're going to have all the stuff you dreamed of because that's what you've been working towards. Right? Life is going to be amazing. But then you get into the grind. And little by little it seems that the grind just crushes all the excitement and joy out of your life. It's just like you're just going through the motions now. It's just routine. You get up, you go to work, you come home, you eat, you watch TV, you go to sleep. You get up, you go to work, you come home, you watch TV, you go to sleep. You get up, I think I'm stuck. Change the record. But that's what life is. The grind happens and it just gets monotonous. And it seems like this is just life. And what is life? Just doing stuff and taking care of stuff and working to get more stuff and all the stuff goes on. And it's like your head is barely above water sometimes because this is not the life you imagined yourself to have. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. But this is not fun. This is just routine. You're rushing from one place to the next. You're rushing to find a seat on the train to get to work. You're rushing through traffic. You're waiting to, in lines to get coffee. It's just life seems so rushed. And it's not what you plan for your life. And it's like you're swimming, but you're barely keeping your head above water. And if you stop, you're going to drown. So you have to keep paddling. Like stuff is coming at you constantly, bills, things, life, problems, issues. All of it seems to be coming at you and you're just swimming for your life. Because if you don't stop swimming, you're going to drown. Anyone feel that way? Or is it just me? Life is like that sometimes. Little by little, we seem to get drawn into the monotony and the routine of life that just pulls all the joy and excitement out of life. And sometimes it seems like we're always going from one place to the next. Like right now, you might be here physically, but you're thinking about what's happening next. Right? Your mind has already gone to where you're next. We're never comfortable where we are because we're always thinking about what's next. Where do I have to go after this? How do I get there? What do I have to do? Is lunch going to be ready? Where am I going to go to for lunch? All these thoughts came into mind. Even though we're right here right now, our mind seems to be going 100 miles an hour, rushing to somewhere else. 
And so we get overwhelmed, we get anxious with all the stuff we have to do. It doesn't seem like there's enough hours in the day and we want to squeeze as much as we can into the time that we have and we need to get in the fast lane of life and we're busy multitasking. I'm sitting at the light waiting for the light to change green but my mind is already calculating other stuff that I have to do for the rest of the day, right? You're sitting in the train or you're sitting in the car but your mind is thinking about other stuff that you have to do. You're multitasking. I'm in the shower but my mind is somewhere else. That's just how life seems. It's not just busy, it's just rushed. And occasionally you get to the point where you think, is this what life is? Is this how it's supposed to be for the rest of my life? Is something busy? Is something missing? No time for the people that I love. No time for the things that I love. It just seems like I'm just doing things over and over. Life is just busy. Is this how it's supposed to be? What if I told you, this statement the greatest enemy of the life you want may be the life that you are living the greatest enemy of the life you want may be the life that you are living now so often i have to come up here and talk to you every sunday and you know this is a difficult message for me because the reality is that I'm talking about not rushing, but my life is rushed all the time. It seems like my life is just consuming. Sometimes I'm here seven days a week, all the time, doing stuff, and it doesn't seem like I have time for the stuff that I love and the people that I love. And sometimes that gets frustrating. Maybe your life is filled with the same sort of anxiety, the same sort of worry, the same sort of things that are going on over and over again in your life, and you're thinking, you know, I don't have time for the people that I love. I have to be places, I have to do stuff, I have to pay bills, I have to keep the kitchen clean, I have to cook for the kids, I have to raise kids, I have to worry about, you know, what's happening in the news and keep up to that, I have to mow the lawn, I have to clean the garage, I have dinner to cook, I have clothes to wash and clothes to wash again and more clothes to buy so I can wash them again, photos to take, Instagram to post, let everyone know I'm having a great time on Instagram, Netflix shows to watch. And I don't have enough time to spend time with my family. I don't have time to have deep, meaningful conversations with the people that I care about. It seems like rest, reflection, reading, seeking God is just too much in my busy life. I just don't have time for all the stuff that I need to do. And it's okay because neither there's anyone else. So we're okay with that. Because everyone else is busy as well. So the really important question is this. What if the greatest enemy of the life you want is the life that you're living now? We all have a, a dream, a vision, a thought of what we'd actually want our life to be. But the enemy of that life is what you're doing right now. And you'll never get what you want if you continue to do what you are doing. And that's why I want to talk to you about the way of Jesus. We're not just looking at the truth as we said, but we're looking at how Jesus lived. Because if we are following Jesus, then we need to examine how he lived his life as well. You know, Jesus 
only did ministry for three years. In three years, he accomplished a whole lot. He accomplished the mission of his father. He recruited a team of 12 guys that he invested in, that went on to change the world. He trained them in the kingdom values. He endured the hatred of the Pharisees. He resisted temptation. He healed all kinds of sick people. He loved all sorts of people, people that were rejected by society. He embraced them. He preached God's message fearlessly. He fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. But Jesus never, ever rushed anywhere. He never ran. There's no scripture that says, Jesus ran here. You ever read that? Jesus rushed to this occasion. It wasn't like Jesus was going, okay, boys, we're behind schedule. So let's pack up and move quickly because we have to get there right now. Where's everyone? Thomas, he's behind. I always speak on Thomas. Leave him. He's always late. In fact, Mark says here, as he, Jesus, walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. Levi got up and followed him. If Levi followed an unrushed Jesus, then Levi should be living an unrushed life. If we follow an unrushed Jesus, then we should be living an unrushed life. You agree? So if you find yourself always being rushed, stressed, overwhelmed, exhausted by trying to get it all done and always feeling like everything is falling apart, Jesus invites you to come and follow him. Come and follow me. Just like he said to Matthew Levi. Follow me. Last week, I read to you Jesus' words from Matthew. And I love what the message translation actually rephrases Jesus' words. If you don't know anything about the message translation, it's by this guy named Eugene Peterson that paraphrases the words of Jesus in a more modern vernacular and more modern words so we can understand it in the context of how we lived. And this is how he paraphrases the same words that we read last week that come from Matthew. And this is what Jesus says according to Eugene Peterson. He says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out by religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Hopefully they'll put that up on the screen. I'll show you how to take rest. Walk with me and work with me. And notice here, Jesus doesn't just say, walk with me. He also says, work with me. So it's, it's not that he's trying to eliminate work from your life. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you learn to live freely and lightly. Think about what he's saying. Learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. 
Because grace doesn't rush anywhere. And Jesus says, walk with me, learn from me. Don't just walk, but also work with me. Because it's not an elimination of work. Because oftentimes we think, okay, we're busy, we're working day and night. In order for me to get rest, I have to stop working. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying cease from work. He's saying learn how to live in a life that is unrushed. Because the reality is that we have to work. We have to go do our jobs. We have to pay our bills. We have to take care of kids. We have to wash our laundry. We have to do all these things. We can't eliminate them from our lives. But how do we incorporate all of that and live an unrushed life? Because Jesus did it. He says, walk with me. Watch how I do life. Don't just believe what Jesus said. Believe how he lived. Because this is exactly how he lived. Luke, who writes his documentation, he was a Greek physician and he investigated thoroughly the story of Jesus. And along with Matthew, Luke, and John, they put together what we call the Gospels, the four Gospels. But they weren't writing the Gospels. They were just writing the story of the experience of their life. We've put it together and call it the Gospels. And Jesus impacted them in such profound ways that they wanted to share their experience with who Jesus was. And so Luke begins to write this accurate account of this event that happened in the life of Jesus. And Matthew and Mark, they also write about the same version, the same event in their version of the text. And they're talking about this leader from the synagogue named Jarius. Jarius had a daughter who was 12 years old. And she had got sick. So much sick that she was about to die. She was on the verge of death. And Jarius, he loved his daughter immensely. And he wanted her to live. He didn't want her to die. And so he is desperate. And he goes to Jesus. We know that he was desperate because the Jewish leaders despised Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, they wanted other people not to follow him. But this Jewish leader, in a desperate situation, because desperate times call for desperate matters, he goes to Jesus out of desperation. Because his daughter was almost dead. Luke tells us this. Then a man named Jarius, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. He comes and he says, Jesus, please. I've heard that you're a healer. I've heard that you can do marvelous things. I need a miracle, so please come and heal my daughter. Any of you who've had a child that's sick, you know the desperate state it is because it, you can't do anything. It feels like it's out of your control. And so he's out of his control, so he comes. He heard about Jesus. He doesn't necessarily want to follow him, but he comes in a desperate situation. Jesus agrees to go to Jairus' house. But on the way there, a lot of people were gathering around Jesus. They were pressing up to him. It was crowded. The streets were narrow. There's a lot of people in this crowd. 
And Jesus was not rushing anywhere. I'm sure Jarius would have been a little bit upset because he's desperate. He wants to get Jesus to his house as fast as possible because his daughter is almost dead on the verge of dying. Jesus doesn't seem in a particular hurry. But then something happens that makes Jesus stop. This procession, this crowd is not going anywhere. Jesus stops in the middle of the street because, Luke says, Jesus turns around and says, someone touched me. Now you'd be thinking like Peter thought and goes, Jesus, are you mental? Because there's a whole bunch of people around you. They're pressing up against you. It's crowded. They're all touching you. What do you mean? That's what Peter says. What do you mean? Who touched you? You're pressed up and against the crowd. Everyone's touching you. But Jesus says, no. Someone touched me because I felt power come out of me. This one particular touch was different from every other touch. Because this person came in a desperate situation as well. There's a big commotion Everyone stops, the procession stops, the crowd stops, everyone's staring at Jesus. Jarius is worried and freaking out because he's just thinking about his daughter. He's like, let's go, Jesus. Come on. Gotta go. But Jesus has stopped and he's having a conversation. He's turning around and he's like, who touched me? Everyone's shocked because they're like thinking, what's going on here? We touched him. Is it me? Everyone touched me. Darius doesn't care about the crowd. Darius doesn't care who touched Jesus. All Darius cares about is his daughter. She's about to die. But Jesus, Jesus is not moving. He's standing still. He wants to identify who touched him. Like that's a big deal for Jarius. Jarius is thinking, who cares? He's probably upset. Then this woman comes out and she says, Jesus, it was me. I touched you. I've had an issue for 12 years. But when I touched you, I was completely healed. Jarius looks at this woman and he recognizes her because she is the woman that they kicked out of his synagogue because she was unclean. She had an issue of blood and she is not allowed in the city. She is not allowed in the street. What is she doing in this crowd? Stopping Jesus from getting to my daughter, causing this commotion. She had issues before, now she has issues now. Even worse, she's halted Jesus. This woman, if you can call her a woman, because she's less than that, she's unclean. She's not allowed in common company. She should be out of the city, should be not even in the vicinity of this crowd because she's unclean. And you have stopped Jesus from coming to my house. How dare you, you unclean, filthy person. Jesus, however, is not berating her. Jairus is shocked because Jesus calls her daughter. Jairus is thinking, what about my daughter? She's not a daughter, she's unclean. But Jesus says, daughter, 
Your faith has made you whole. Go on your way. You are unclean. You are no longer unclean. Go on your way. There's a commotion. It's totally out of order. Jairus is, I'm sure, very upset. He's upset that Jesus stopped. He's upset that he calls a daughter. Doesn't anyone care about my daughter? Why aren't we rushing to her side? Why are we standing in the street waiting and having a conversation with this person that shouldn't even be amongst people? And Jesus, he's not in a hurry. But then things get worse because the thing that Jairus was worried about happened. Luke says, when Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said to him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. Done. She's dead. While all this commotion has gone on, while all this delay, this woman who was not supposed to be there has cost the life of my daughter. Done. No need to rush now. Everything's over. And now it's too late. Jairus would have been completely broken. If only they rushed. If only they had a little bit of a rush in their step. If only this woman didn't stop them. If only Jesus would have rushed. Maybe, Jesus, it's your fault. Because you didn't rush. Jesus turns to him. Hearing this, Jesus said, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Jairus is thinking, one problem with that Jesus, she doesn't need healing anymore because she's dead. Healing is not going to help her now. If you came a little bit faster, if you rushed a little bit more, if you weren't distracted by all these people around you and this heathenite woman who's not even supposed to be in the crowd, maybe... If you got there, maybe if you rushed Jesus and showed some urgency, we wouldn't be in this situation. What's the point now? What do you want me to believe? She's dead. Jesus walks with them. They still go to Jairus' house. He's probably thinking, this is a pointless exercise. Luke documents this. He says, Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. They got to Jairus' house. There's a big crowd. People are crying. They're wailing. They're... Because his daughter's dead. Jesus says, She's not dead, but asleep. It's like, Is there something wrong with this guy? Because before he said, did anyone touch me? And everyone touched him. And now he says this girl who's clearly dead is just sleeping. In fact, Luke says they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. 
They laughed him. The King James Version says, they laughed him to scorn. But he took her by the hand and says, my child, get up. And Jesus brought her back to life. He didn't just do a healing. He did a resurrection. Because Jesus is always on time. He doesn't have to rush when he knows what he's able to do. He doesn't have to rush when he knows what he's capable of doing. Nothing is so far gone that God can't fix it. Because he's never late. Jesus knows what he's capable of. Do you? Do you think that he has to rush to your side when you need it? When you need something, he needs to be present? Or does he know that in the fullness of time, he's able to do it? Do we have the same view? If Jesus wasn't rushed, why are you? If Jesus can handle all situations and deal with every situation that we encounter in our life, even death, why do we rush? If we say we believe and have faith, in him. But you don't understand. I have a job. That I have to get to. My boss makes sure I'm on time. If I don't show up. I'm going to lose my job. But we're always rushing somewhere. We're running from something all the time. Or we're rushing to something. We're running from our past. We're running from failure. We're running from insecurities. We're running from hurt. We're running from abuses. We're running to marriage. We're running to success. We're running to money. And we're running to likes on Facebook or Instagram. Always running to something and away from something. See, the problem is you're chasing a life that will leave you empty. I love what Toby Mac, if you don't know what Toby Mac is, he's a gospel or Christian artist. And he actually wrote a song based on Matthew 16, 19. He says, what would it gain, what would it gain you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Some of us, we might have an accumulation of things, but we've lost something inside of us. There's a hole in there that makes us feel empty. We have things but we don't have fulfillment. I'll ask you this question again. What if the greatest enemy of your life or the life you want is the life that you're living now? Your choices. I'm not asking you to quit your job, stay at home, take a break from life, leave your studies and go on a trip of self-discovery. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to find God in the middle of your life, in the middle of your situation. We all have enough time to do what's important for us, in spite of our jobs, in spite of our responsibilities, in spite of our activities. The key is not stopping your job, it's creating space in the time you have. You have time for what you choose to have time for. The solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters most. The reason you don't have time for what matters, because like most of us, 
we are mindlessly spending our time on things that don't matter. Did you know on average, this is average, a person spends 706 hours a year on social media. The good news for some of you is that you're way above average. If you divide that up to an eight-hour workday, that's four and a half months of a year spent on social media. What could you have done with that time to benefit your life? On average, again average, a person spends 2,737 hours on TV every year. Watching new trending series, Netflix, Binge, Stan, whatever you want to call it. An average guy, ladies, you know, you're excluded from this one. An average guy, before he's 21, spends 10,000 hours on video games. I can confess I've done that. <laughs> I have. I told you I have the same problem. I'm not telling you something that I'm not out of. 10,000. You know what you could have done with that? You could have graduated from university. Got a degree with those hours. You could have learned to become a pilot with those hours. 10,000 hours. You could have read 200 books that have further enhanced your view of the world and your life. You could have got the life you wanted that you really desired. You could have been where you wanted to be if you invested your time in the right space. What if the greatest enemy of the life you want is the life you are living now? So what do I do? I don't know. I'm still in the same problem. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am. I am in the same place. To be honest, I struggle in this area as well. Right? All that stuff, I do. So it's not like me standing up here and saying, you guys. I'm just saying us. We, all of us, collectively. We need to figure out how to not rush. The reason we rush is because we do so much things that don't benefit us. They don't build us up. They don't strengthen us. They don't grow us in faith. They don't grow us in self. They don't grow us in any area of our life. They just drain things out of our life. Because watching shows on Netflix is not making your life better. Playing video games is not giving you a skill that will help with your family. Going on social media might get you popular, but won't get you a fulfilled life. So what do we do? What do we do in this situation? The reality is that if you don't slow down, you're going to have some serious issues in your life, starting with your health. It might not be right now, it might not be next year, but the pressure and stress of your life is going to have an impact on your health. It's going to have an impact on your faith. It's going to have an impact on your marriage. It's going to have an impact in your world. You'll never become what you desire 
because you're making choices that don't get you to your destination. So I'm not going to give you much today. But if you're anxious, if you're stressed out, if you're worried, if you're rushing, I want to share with you a prayer. I'm inviting you to pray this prayer every day for the next seven days. I'm going to pray it. We're going to pray it. So when you get up in the morning, it's a short prayer. I'm inviting you to pray this prayer with us. So all of us collectively, whether you're watching online or present, let's pray this prayer. And this is the prayer that I'm going to ask you to pray. This is what it is. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. Can we put that up on the screen? God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. Let's repeat it together. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. And what is this going to do? What is this going to do in our life? If we are intentional about our life, if we are intentional about making a change in our life, if we are intentional about making transformation, it's going to help us with three things. Number one, it's going to help us be present in the moment. It's going to help us be present in the moment. Listen to people. Rather than just rush from situation to situation. Help us see needs. Help us understand hurt people. Help us see people and not situations. You know, a lot of times when people come to me with problems, like most men, I'm like, okay, let's solve this problem. Because I think solving the problem will help the person. But that's not what the people want. That's not what people want. They want you to see them. And Jesus, he saw people first, and then he solved their problem. He spent time with them before he fixed their problem. Jesus saw the person and then he solved the problem. So we, we need to spend time with people and see their hurt and their pain. And when they come to us with issues, that we see them before we see the problem. Number two. It's going to help us choose what's important and eliminate what's not. It helps us say no to the things that don't matter. That is not going to help us get better. That's not going to transform our world. And say yes to the things that do. And the good thing is that we get to enjoy the things that really matter. And don't have our life cluttered with things that don't. And here's the great thing. You don't have to say no forever. You just have to say no for a season. You might want to do something, but is it beneficial for you? Say, you know what? At this time in my life, I'm not choosing to do that because it's not going to help me get to where I need to go. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do it forever. It just means I'm not going to do it for this season of my life. Because you don't have to say no forever. Number three, and most importantly, 
we're going to sense God's presence and recognize his voice. Because we're not rushing from one place to the next. We're not busy with our life cluttered and so many voices in our ear that we have time to sense God's presence and recognize his voice. Every person that Jesus loved, every miracle he did, he did as he walked. He never rushed. And even when we understand who Jesus is, that he was compassionate, he was loving to those that the world rejected, that people rejected, he still loved them. But he wasn't in a rush. He spilled, spent time with them, but he wasn't in a rush. And we too, we can understand the unhurried rhythms of grace when we don't rush. And we can recognize his voice and hear when he speaks to us. So, let's pray this prayer for the next seven days. When you get up in the morning, pray it. Before you go out to your work, before you go out to your job, before you go out to do whatever it is, pray this with us. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. Help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. Day by day, step by step, Jesus walked towards his calling. He never shirked his responsibility. He never deviated from his purpose. He did what he was supposed to do. He fulfilled God's plan for his life. But he walked towards it daily. And you too will discover what you were created to be and who you should become when you understand the unhurried rhythms of grace. Rather than always feeling like you're out of time, you know you can make time for what's important for your life and declutter from everything else. So pray this pray, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. I have two questions for you and then we'll pray. Number one, where in your life can you eliminate things that are not benefiting you? Where in your life, and you know where it is, you don't need some analyst to come in and examine your life and tell you you need to fix that or fix this? Where in your life can you eliminate things that are not benefiting you? Because sometimes we might get enjoyment out of doing something, but it doesn't benefit us. Like I enjoy eating cheesecake, but my stomach doesn't benefit from it at all. There's lots of things that we can enjoy but are not beneficial for us. So where in your life can you eliminate things that are not benefiting you? And number two, how can you be present and more importantly, stay present in important things in your life? 
How can you be present? Because sometimes we are present, but we're not staying present. We might be physically there, but emotionally we've checked out. Spiritually, we've checked out. Some people come to church, they sit here, but they're not connected. Being in God's presence doesn't eliminate problems from your life. Just ask Judas. And Adam and Eve for that matter. Being present is important, but staying present is just as important. Our mind and our body needs to be in the same place for the important things of our life, the important conversations, the important people, and more importantly, with God. When we come and we lift our hands and we worship as our mind somewhere else, thinking about other things or is it focused on where it needs to be and if that flows into what we think as Christ followers is the most important thing in our life then it's definitely flowing into other areas of our life because if we can't do it here in the house when we say we're praising God and our mind somewhere else you're not doing it with your wife your spouse your girlfriend your boyfriend at work wherever your kids you're not doing it at all you might be there but you're not present so I ask you again, how can you be present and stay present in the important things in your life? We have enough time. We're never out of time. You get to decide what's important for your life and what you want to invest in because what you invest in will grow. You know, the scripture says, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Because what it's, it's a principle. Whatever you put in your life is what you're going to get out of it. You don't have to be a Christ follower to know that. The principle works whether you believe him or not. Whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. So if you don't like what's coming out, change what you put Let's stand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your family. I want to pray for those around you. Because sometimes, and I know this from my life, I've impacted my wife's life not even knowing it. Because I've been distracted doing stuff. And when she's talking to me or having a conversation with me, I've not been present. And she might not have said it in that moment, but she's gone away feeling disappointed and rejected. And some of us, we've impacted people around us and we don't even realize what we've done because we're so engrossed in what we're doing, we've not even realized what we've done to someone else. So I want to pray not just for you, but for the people around you as well. And I want to encourage you to pray along with us as well. Ready? All right. Let's lift our hands as a sign of surrender and lift our hands to God. If you're not a Christ follower, I would encourage you to make that decision to follow Jesus because he's going to make your life better. Because what he teaches us and the way he lives is a model for us. 
and he impacts us in every single facet of our life. So if you haven't come see me, we want to pray with you and help you on that journey. But for all of us, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before your awesome presence. You're a God that cares about your people. You care about every single area of our life and not just ours, but the person standing next to us with the same passion. You love us immensely and you love us beautifully. In spite of our flaws, in spite of our failures, in spite of our inadequacies, in spite of all the things that we do that are not even right in the sight of you and the people around us, you still love us. And so I pray that love will flow into our hearts and, and bring us back and set our minds in the right place and the right priority of our life that we are empowered to live a life and to be what you've called us to be, to be people that transform our lives and the lives of people around us, to touch them in significant ways that their lives improves, that they may acknowledge there's something in us that they want to come to. And we tell them that's you because it is you. You've healed us, restored us, saved us, counseled us, done immense things for us. You are the God who cares in every area of our life. So I pray for those gathered here. I pray for those watching online. I pray for everyone that our lives touch and we encounter that we have a positive and fulfilling impact in their life. And first, for us to learn the unhurried rhythms of grace, that we don't have to rush. We have enough time to do what we are supposed to do, the important things in our life. We just need to reprioritize some of the things that we do that are not actually beneficial for us. So Lord, bless your church, bless your people. Continue to strengthen them, encourage them, uplift them. You have a great plan for them. You have a great purpose for them. Nothing is so far gone that you can't fix it. You're able to do all things. So I pray, Father, that you bless them, encourage them, uplift them, strengthen them. Pour out your endless grace into their life. For they are your children and we are calling on you to move in our lives, in the lives of people around us. We give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together and give God some praise. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.